Masechet Baba Kama Daf Samech Chet. The Mishnah, way at the beginning of the Perek, mentioned a law that said, En HaGonev Achar Tashlome Kefel. If you have a thief who steals from another thief, the second thief does not have to pay double. The first thief will have to still pay double to the original owner, but the second thief who stole it from the thief does not have to. Uh, on that law, Rav gives a qualification. Amar Rav, Rav says that this dispensation for the second thief not to have to pay double, that only applies before the original owner has Yeush. Because as long as the original owner does not have Yeush, he retains ownership of it. And therefore, the first thief is a thief and he has to pay double. But the second thief... Um, he, he's he's uh, uh, stealing it not from the thief, the first thief because the first thief doesn't own it. Um, so he's just taking it from someone who doesn't own it, and therefore he does not have to pay double as a regular thief. However, if the original owner uh, despairs of finding it, then so Rav thinks that Yeush Kone, that despair creates an acquisition of the item to the first thief. Now, right, the first thief owns it. When the second thief then comes along after that point and steals it, he is doing an act of stealing because after Yeush, the first thief only has to pay money back to the original owner, but he owes the item that he stole. And now the second thief stole that item and he's stealing it now from the new rightful owner. It's hard to call him rightful, but he is the legal owner technically. He's uh, stealing it from the legal owner, and therefore the second thief has to pay double to the first thief, and the first thief will also have to pay double the amount to the original owner. Okay, very good chidush. And now we're going to challenge Rav uh, from three sources. Amar Rav Sheshat. Amina kinaim v'shachib Rav. Amar laha shema'ata. Rav Sheshat, again, as he said before, said, it must be that Rav was sleeping when he taught this law because it contradicts a b'raita. So Rabbi Akiva taught in the Braita, how come the Torah requires that a thief who slaughters or sells a uh, an ox or a sheep, how come he has to have to pay four or five times? Because he deepened his sin. One sin is that he stole in the first place. And now look how little he cares about his sin. He doubles down on his sin. And now he also slaughters it or sells it. That's his braita. Let's analyze. Emat, ilema So what is it talking about? Is it a case where the original owner did not despair? So then, did he deepen his sin? He did not. Since he uh, the owner did not have Yeush, the original owner still keeps ownership of the item. So the thief now uh, took it, he stole it, by slaughtering it or selling it, that sale does not do anything. The sale is an illegal sale, is an ineffectual sale. And so let's just focus on the sale thing, the sale case, not the uh, slaughtering case. Um, so he did not deepen his sin by selling it. He actually has done um, an ineffectual uh, legal act. Rather, it must be, it must be that Rebekah's statement is assuming that the owner already um, had a Yeush and thereby transferred ownership to the thief. And now the thief owns this item. But that also doesn't make sense because 
if you think that Yehush does a Kinyan, then why should this thief have to pay four and five times? He is uh, uh, slaughtering his own item. He is selling his own item because, right, the original owner already had Yehush. So yes, of course, the thief has to pay him uh, monetary value and even have to pay him double, uh, but the slaughter or, or um, uh, a sale after that point is his own. He shouldn't have to pay at all. And therefore, if we apply this same logic back to Rav, Rav says that after despair, um, then the Yehush, uh, Yehush is Koneh. But we just proved from this Baraita, Rabbi Akiva, that if you say Yehush Koneh, then you would not have to pay four or four or five because he's uh, killing his own. So it must be Yehush is not Koneh. And therefore, Rav would be wrong to say that if the original owner had Yehush and then the second thief steals it from the first thief, um, that he would, the second thief would have to pay double. No, he should not pay, have to pay double because even after Yehush, the first thief does not uh, attain ownership. That's the question. And so we answer the same way Rava answered in a different context. We're going to see that context later on on this very daf about this very source. It just says it in a slightly different context, but we're going to apply the same answer here. Over there, Rava said, because it's not, it's not that he uh, doubled his sin, um, that meaning that he deepened his sin and sinned again, but rather, Sheshana, uh, that he repeated his sin. Um, and again, he didn't, he didn't sin again. Um, so we're talking about, now we're going back to the drawing board with Rebecca Ivan saying, it all happened before there was Yehush, and then, he stole it, and then by uh, uh, selling it, so yes, it's true, the sale was an invalid sale. Nevertheless, he does another act of, of, uh, uh, of theft by not caring so much that not only did he steal it, but now he sells it. Even though it's an invalid act, it's not that it deepens the sin, but it does repeat the act of the sin, and that's what he meant to say. Um, and therefore, since this is all talking about before Yehush, there, uh, therefore it makes sense that if he, if he sells it or slaughters it, he's selling and slaughtering something that's owned by the original owner. And that's why he has to pay for uh, four and five. But indeed, Rabbi Akiva can very well think that Yehush is Koneh, and therefore Rav is okay also to think that Yehush is Koneh, so we solve that problem. Second challenge, Tashema utbacho o mecharo, matibicha shena chozeret af mechira shena chozeret. This Baraita teaches that um, in order to be liable four and five, you have to be tevacho o mecharo, that has to be in a similar way. Just like slaughtering, you cannot get the animal back. Once it's dead, it's dead, you can't revive it. So to mechira has to be a final sale. Uh, in order to pay four or five, right? That it doesn't come back. But if it's a not, a, it's not a final sale. Then you don't have to pay four and five. Now let's analyze. Emat hozeret. If it's before the original owner despaired, then why are you saying it's not a final sale? Because it is a final sale before you, the original owner owns it. The first, uh, the 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 thief sells it to someone. He's selling something that's not his, right? So then you can go back to sorry, you you bought stolen property. Um, and it wasn't his to sell, to sell. It's like he's selling someone the Brooklyn Bridge. It's not his to sell. And so that would not be a final sale. Uh, so it can't be talking about that case that you have to, have to, you have to pay four and five. Ela la must be that the only case you pay four and five is 
after Yeush. But here's the problem. If you think that Yeush is Koneh, then uh, why would you have to pay four and five? Uh, once the owner has despairs, then the item belongs to the thief, and if the thief slaughters it or sells it, he's doing that to his own property. He shouldn't have to pay a penalty in four and five, and therefore must be wrong that Yeush is Koneh. And if we once we prove that, then back to Rav. Rav also cannot say that after Yeush, the second thief has to pay uh, double. Um, why should the second thief pay double, even if, uh, if uh, Yeush is not Koneh? So Rav is assuming Yeush is Koneh, but this source shows that Yeush is not Koneh. And we answer this also, Rav Nachman explained this very Braita in a slightly different context that we're also going to see later on this very daf. And so we're going to borrow it from now. Obviously, the later sugya was um, earlier chronologically that this sugya here is borrowing all the answers from there. And anyway, Rav Nachman said about this Baraita that it's not coming to exclude a, a sale that's not a valid sale, but rather it's coming to exclude a sale that's less than 30 days. It could be a very valid sale. This is, I'm selling it to you for 30 days, but that's not really a sale. Anyone looking at that would say, well, that sounds like a rental to me. Um, it's just a, uh, it's just a lease, and uh, so that that kind of sale is not permanent enough to trigger four and five. That's what this Baraita was talking about. But in fact, um, if it was um, before Yeush, that's what that you'd have to pay uh, four and five, um, even though the sale is invalid at that point. And that's what that Baraita is talking about. And so there is no um, a challenge to Rav talking about after Yeush. Could very well be after Yeush. Uh, it does transfer. Metibe, third objection from another Baraita, Ganav. This is a long Baraita, has three cases. We're going to need to know all of them. Ganav uba acher ugnavo. Harishon meshalem tashlome kefel, vashini eno meshalem ela keren bilvad. The first case is one person uh, steals an item. A second person steals it from the first thief, right? So a second thief. Um, the first thief pays double, of course, and the second thief only pays one. Okay, good. That's in fact what Ambishnah said. Um, so this would make sense to Rav as long as we know, say that it was before Yeush. So, so far, so good. Here's the problem. The thief stole it, the item, and then sold it. And then the second thief comes and steals it from that buyer. Um, and that buyer, we presume, was never a good buyer to begin with. Um, well, we'll have to see if it's before or after Yeush. So the law is that he pays. Um, the first thief has to pay four and five because he stole and sold it. That makes sense. The second has to pay double. Uh, if he pays double, that that we're assuming that that sale was a good sale, which would mean that this has to be after Yeush in order for that sale to be proper, such that the thief, the second thief, is is stealing it from someone who legally owns it. And if this is after Yeush, then the first half also has to be after Yeush. And this is a problem because it would be Rav would say this he should only he should pay two in this case. So here the problem is going to come from the second 
and then its comparison to the first. And then the third uh, case is uh, Again, someone steals something and he slaughters it. And someone else, a second thief, comes and steals the slaughtered animal. The first guy has to pay four and five. Well, of course, he stole it and slaughtered it. It makes sense. And the second does not have to pay double. He only has to pay a single amount. All right, let's analyze this. Ketani miha mesiata. Focus on the second case. When he stole it and sold it, and then someone else comes and steals it from the buyer, the first guy certainly pays um, uh, four and five because he stole it and uh, sold it. But the second and the second thief has to pay double. Now, what's the case? If it was before the the, the this whole thing happened um, before the uh, the owner had despaired, so this owner is still thinking he's gonna he's gonna find it again. Um, so then, why does the second thief have to pay double? Um, that uh, the, uh, it's true there was a change in uh, possession, right? It goes from the thief to this to the uh, buyer. And then the the thief takes it from the buyer, but even and, and and in some cases a change in possession is a is a significant thing that will effectuate a change. However, not without Yeush, if the owner did not despair, then does anybody think that a change in possession now actually makes it his? It does not, and therefore that buyer is not a not a valid buyer, and so the second thief did not steal it from. A valid owner, and therefore is it should not is not re, not really a thief and should not have to pay double. Rather, the middle case must be after the owner already uh, um, already had yeush, and then the uh, transfer the ownership transfers to the first thief. When the first thief sells it, so he's selling something that is really his. That's fine. And now the sale is valid. So the second thief, it makes sense, would have to pay double. Fine. We figured out the double part, but then that creates a different problem. But in that case, why does the first thief have to pay four and five? Because now there was Yeush, so he owns it. So he uh, uh, sold his own item. So why should he have to pay four and five? That's one question. So first of all, the middle case is is itself is self contradictory, and we have a problem with the first case that when um, he uh, some uh, first guy steals it and second guy steals it from the thief. The first one has to pay double, and the and the first and the second one only pays um only pays one. Now we just established We established from the second case that we're talking about after Yeush. And uh, we, if you assume that Yeush uh, does make a, an acquisition. Well then, the why shouldn't the second thief pay? Why should the second thief pay only one? Since the first thief now is after Yehush, so the first thief has acquired it. The second thief is a real thief. He, uh, he he took it from the legal owner, and therefore the second thief should have to pay two as well. Rather, the final conclusion must be that Yehush does not make an acquisition, and this is a serious challenge to Rav. 
All right, but don't worry, we're going to have three answers. Wait a second, do you think that this Braita has been double-checked, that this is the correct text? No, we have to recheck it. Sometimes Braita gets transmitted and they can get messed up during transmission, and so the sages would check them to make sure that it was correct. And he says, the version that you have is in fact not correct. In the last case, which we haven't analyzed yet, this actually makes no sense at all, because if the thief stole it, and slaughtered it and then someone comes and steals that slaughtered animal so so we said the first one has to pay four and five okay certainly he stole it and slaughtered it and the second only has to pay Kedin. what do you mean why should the second guy only have to pay one is there anybody who thinks that a, a physical change in the body of the animal will not make an acquisition is there any bigger physical change than slaughtering it uh so certainly slaughtering it should be a physical change that then makes it acquired uh, by the thief who, who slaughtered it. And once that happens, so then the thief, the second thief who steals it from the body of the animal from the first thief should be um, that he's still stealing it from a the legal owner and therefore should certainly have to pay double no matter what. Um, rather, we're going to go back and say this entire Braita is assuming before Yehush, and you should switch the verdicts of the mid, of the second and third case. Just switch them around, um, and this is how you'll read it. This is now the second. The first case stays the same, uh, but the second case is if he stole it and and sold it. If the first guy stole it and sold it, and someone else comes and steals it, so the first one has to pay four and five, that's for sure, he he stole it and sold it. And the second one pays only once, right? Remember, we're switching. What we said about the third case was he was Kedin. Now that's the verdict of the second case. Uh, why? Um, because Shinui Deshut below Yeush. There was talking about a case where there was no Yeush. So just because it changed hands, uh, but uh, does not is not going to make it acquired. And therefore, the second thief stole it from someone who didn't, who's, to whom it didn't belong anyway. And therefore, does not have to pay double. Good, we solved that problem. The third case also now makes sense that if someone stole it and slaughtered it and someone else came and, and stole the carcass, the first one has to, first guy, thief has to pay four and five. He slaughtered it. And the second one has to pay double because in the act of slaughtering it, that is a physical change in the item. And that does make a transfer of acquisition from the owner to the first thief. And so the second thief is stealing it from the legal owner. And that's why he has to pay double. And once we say that this whole Braita is talking about before Yeush, there is no challenge to Rav. And we are in the clear. So that is all the answer of uh, Rava.
Uh, but now we try a second answer of Rav Papa, his student. Rav Papa Amar, Leolam la tepuch. No, I don't, we don't have to, you don't have to switch it around. It's difficult to say, just, you know, just change the words. That's uh, an easy answer. Um, but uh, I, so I can explain the Braita as is. Sefa bet shamayhi damresh, you know, omed. And the Sefa that you had a question about, uh, since the, the thief slaughtered it, so that's a physical change. That certainly makes a transfer, right? Well, not according to everybody, not according to Bet Shammai. We were just ignored Bet Shammai because, you know, Halakha is usually like Bet Hillel. But it could be in this Braita, the, the author is Bet Shammai, and he says, even with a physical change in the item, like slaughtering it, still it remains in the original ownership, and therefore when the second thief takes it from the first thief, he's stealing something that wasn't, didn't belong to the first thief anyway, and that's why he only has to pay one. However, even though Rav Papa can explain the third case, we still reject it because uh, because it does not explain the first two cases in, according to Rav. This is the original question. As we said, um, the middle case is self-contradictory. And um, if you have to pay, if the second, remember, we're not switching it around. So, I mean, the second thief has to pay double. He only has to pay double if the um, item was, uh, was in fact transferred, which means it's after Yeush. But if it's after Yehush, then how come in the first case, the thief only has to pay a single amount? There's no way to reconcile it. And furthermore, if it's after Yehush, and that explains why in the middle case he has to pay double, then why does the first thief have to pay four and five? There was already Yehush, and he acquired it, so he slaughtered his own thing. So we haven't solved those problems. Uh, so uh, comes to the rescue, a third answer, Amadav Zavid. Le'olam kulal ifnei Yehush. In fact, we can explain this entire Baraita, that there was no Yehush when it was in the hands of the first thief. And there's going to be essential for understanding the middle case. Um, that the owner, the, the original owners, did have Yehush when it was in the hands of the buyer, but not before that when it was in the hands of the first thief. And um, because, so here's how it works. The first thief steals it. And he and there's no Yehush, and he sells it, and there's no Yehush. So he has to pay four and five, because it's not his, right? If it was Yehush, and he sold it, and I'm selling what's mine. So that's why he has to pay four and five, because there was no Yehush when he sold it. Now it's in the hands of the buyer, and now the owner has Yehush. But now it comes after two steps, not only Yehush, but also a transfer in uh, a transfer in possession, right? It went from the thief to this uh, to this buyer, and so now the combination of the transfer in possession and the yeush now it really does belong to that uh, buyer. And now when the second thief comes and steals it from the buyer, he's stealing it from a legal owner. And that's why the second one has to pay double. Okay, so pretty brilliant uh, to figure that out. And you don't have to say necessarily, according to this, that you actually do need both Yehush and a change of possession. It could very well be that Yehush alone, uh, if the would uh, make it acquired by the thief. Um, and therefore, that would be in accordance with Rav's opinion. And that would explain the first and the third cases also, when there was no Yehush, um, when, when it was in the hands of the thief. And that's why 
the thief has the first thief has to pay double, the second thief only has to pay one. But the only case where you can figure out where both have to pay would be in a case like this, where there was no Yeush for the first one, and that's why the first one has to pay four and five, and then there was Yeush for this for the buyer, and then it was stolen from the by the second thief, and the second thief has to pay double. Alright, so that we um so resolved all the challenges uh, to Rav. And now we go to a related machloket. Itmar, amar hayav, rav amar patur. Thief who sells the item that he stole before the owner's despair. Rav Nachman says that he has to pay four and five. Rav Sheshat says if he sells it before the owner despairs, he does not have to pay four and five, only if he sells it afterwards. Let's explain the two positions. Rav Nachman amar chayav, umecharo amar achamana vehazabin. Lashana lifnei yeush, lashana lachar yeush. Rav Nachman said that the, is quoting a pasuk. It says if the thief sells it. That's it. So he sold it. It doesn't matter if the owner had yeush or not. Doesn't matter, you always have to give four and five. Rav Sheshat Amar Patur, Chiyuve Lachari Ushu, Dehanu Maasav, Avadifne Ush, Delanu Maasav, Lamechayev, Tuma de Tibicha, Bainan Dehanu Maasav. Rav Sheshat says, if there was no Yeush, he is not liable. Why? Because he only is liable to pay four and five after Yeush, because that's when the sale is a valid sale. After Yeush, Yeush Kone, uh, Rav Sheshat thinks. And uh, then it belongs to the thief, and then he, the when he sells it, it's an effective sale. Uh, but before he, there is Yeush, the thief doesn't own it. So the sale is an ineffective sale, and so he would not have to pay four and five. And this is in comparison to Tebicha, where the it's the it's his action is effective. In Tebicha, no matter what, you're slaughtering it, so it is slaughtered, and that is an effective act. And so too, uh, the uh, sale has to be a legally binding sale in order for him to be liable, liable to pay four and five. I have a proof from my opinion that before Yeush, um, a, the thief is patur if he sells it from where? Uh, uh, we already know the source, uh, Braita, that Rabbi Akiva says, how come the Torah says that saw a, a thief who slaughters and sells it has to pay four and five, right? Why, why so? Why this uh, great uh, stringency? Because he deepened his sin. Um, by not only stealing it, but then doing the second act. Now, what's the case talking about? Um, if it was before Yeush, so did he deepen his sin? He nothing happened. He um, it, it still is in the, belongs to the original owner, so his sale is not a valid sale. So he didn't really do anything. Uh, rather, it must be after Yeush, and it's only after Yeush. Um, now, now he has ownership, and he then sells it. Now he did something doubly bad. He stole it twice. Um, he uh, that and that, so that means that um, he only has to pay four and five, not before, because before he didn't, he wasn't, uh, didn't deepen the sin. 
Um, but, but only afterwards did he deepen the sin. And so you see, this is a proof of Rav Sheshat. You only have to pay four and five after Yehush. But Rav rejection. No, don't say deepen the sin. That has to be a second sin and something also again bad. But rather, he just repeated the act of, of the sin. Even though actually by selling it, it was ineffective. So he didn't actually do anything, uh, uh, change any ownership uh, uh, again, uh, but by uh, stealing it once and then doing an act that is just adds insult to injury, um, even though it doesn't really add more injury, um, that is itself uh, why you have to pay four and five, and that would be true even before Yeush, and so we can explain uh, the the this Braita, uh, not according to Rav Sheshat. Second uh, proof, for Rav Shashat, attempted proof, Tashema, Utbacho Mecharo, Matibicha Shena Hoseret, Af Mechira Shena Hoseret. Again, we already saw this Braita, um, uh, that you only pay four and five when it's the sim- when the two acts are in some way similar, just like slaughter is final, you can't bring it back to life, so too, you only have to pay four or five for a final uh, sale. If it was before Yehush, why shouldn't it be a final? Why should it be a final sale? You can go to the buyer and say, "Sorry, you 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 bought something that wasn't that didn't belong to the seller." Rather, it must be that this only applies after Yehush, and the payment for four and five is only after Yehush, which is what Rav Sheshat said. But we say no, it's not necessarily proof to the Gemad of Nachman, Perat Lashik. This source was not saying to rule out a, a non binding sale, rather, it was ruling out a sale that's for less than 30 days because that's just a rental, not really a sale. Rabbi El Azar must also think that um, you have to pay only after Yehush, which is in agreement with Rav Sheshat, because Rabbi El Azar says that we can assume in an ordinary case, even if we don't know any better, that uh, the owners, once something is sold, is stolen, the owners most likely give up hope. It's very rare to find the uh, the thief, and therefore we can assume that they gave up hope, and that's why you have to pay four and five. But you see that you only have to pay four and five after they gave up hope after Yeush. Now, how does it be El Azad know that we can assume that the owner gives up hope when, as soon as it's stolen? Here's this proof. Look, the Torah says that if someone steals and then sells it, he has to pay four and five. Uh, sounds like in all cases, but maybe the owner did not despair. In that case, well, that the sale is not is not a real sale. Uh, rather, it must be that we assume uh, that, and uh, when someone steals, the owner uh, automatically despairs, and that's why. So, really, Abiyazad is saying that you always have to pay four and five, but it's only because he assumes that the owners always despair, and uh, therefore he agrees with Rav Shashat. You only you don't have to pay four and five before Yeush if you knew for sure. Now, wait a second. How do you know that this is a good assumption? Um, maybe the uh, Torah is assuming that you have to pay four and five even. 
even before despair, like Rav Nachman said. Um, and, and that's why you have to always pay four and five. How do you know it means that the owners always uh, despair? And so to be able answer the same argument that Rav Sheshat gave before, so don't think that because the sale should be uh, in, the, in the case equivalent to uh, slaughter, just like in the slaughter, uh, in slaughter, his acts are effective. It is now slaughtered. Um, so too, he only has to pay four and five in the case where the sale is an effective sale. And if it's before Yeush, when what what effect does it have? You can't sell something that doesn't belong to you. And now we ask, wait a second. How do you know that we again challenging Rabbi Elazar's assumption? How do you know that it's because? Um, we assume, even without knowledge, Stam, that uh, the owner was always uh, has Yeush. Uh, maybe the, the Torah is assuming a case where we actually heard specifically that, oh, the owner, this owner, uh, despaired. And that since we know he despaired, that's why the thief has to pay four and five. And But, but we can't assume it otherwise. And so Narbi Bilazal will continue the comparison. They says, no, that can't be because just like Tebicha, immediately when the thief slaughters it, then for sure he has to pay four and five. Uh, so too, the sale has to be has to the verdict has to be immediate that he'll have to pay four and five as soon as soon as he sells it and it can't be no only uh only if enough time passed for the owner to despair and we checked and made sure that he did despair no it has to be that this law would apply even immediately and therefore it's a basic assumption that owners do despair. Amalu Rabbi Yochanan, Geneva benefesh tochiach she'en yeush be'alim ve'chayab. Rabbi Yochanan challenges Rabbi Elazar and says, "No, I don't. It doesn't. It's not true that there can be consequences of a sale and a punishment for selling even before yeush." How do you know? From kidnapping. The Torah says, If you steal a human being and then sell the human being, the kidnapper gets the death penalty. Now, in that case, there is no yeush. No one ever despair, uh, despairs over uh, finding himself or being freed. He says, oh, you kidnapped me. Uh, you know what? Uh, no one's ever going to find me. Um, so you may as well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm yours now. No one ever says that, right? Everybody says, no, I'm still my own person. I'm going to get free. Get me out of here. And nevertheless, even though the sale that the kidnapper sells this, uh, his, uh, his kidnapped, uh, the kidnapped person to someone else, even though it's not a valid sale, nevertheless, it triggers capital punishment. So you see from here that even without Yeush, even uh, though the sale is not valid, Nevertheless, you can be punished. We can learn from here, we can learn that Rabbi Yochanan would agree with the opinion of Rav Nachman. Rabbi Yochanan lived before Rav Nachman, but they would agree with the same, with the same law that even before Yehush, um, if, a, if uh, someone steals something and sells it, uh, an animal, and sells it, he is liable uh, to pay four and five because it's not dependent on the sale being a valid sale. Now that we discussed a machloket about whether a thief has to pay um, if he steals and sells before Yeush, um, now we're going to see what about after Yeush, Lachad Yeush Mai, 
This is also subject to a machloket. Rabbi Yochanan Amar Hayav, Veresh Lakish Amar Patur. We ended with Rabbi Yochanan actually saying that before Yeush, he has to pay. And now we learn that Rabbi Yochanan also thinks that after Yeush, he has to pay. So both are true. Rabbi Yochanan Amar Hayav, Chiyubeh Ben Lifne Yeush, Ben Dachar Yeush. Rabbi Yochanan says that when the thief steals something and then sells it, it doesn't matter whether the owner had Yeush before or after, the thief has to pay four or five, no matter what. However, Rashakish says, after Yeush Patur, one is only liable if the owner did not have Yeush yet, and therefore the thief is slaughtering the animal that still belongs to the owner, adding insult to injury, not only stealing it, but also selling it or slaughtering it. But if the owner had despairs of getting it back, then the thief acquires it. And once he acquires it, he is slaughtering his own and selling his own item, and therefore there is no penalty of four or five. Itibet Biochanan Rashakish Biochanan challenges Rashakish from the following Baraita. Ganav Vihikdish Vachar Kach Tabach. A thief steals something and then makes it Hikdesh. We're seeing a lot of very pious thieves around, right? They don't mind taking from someone else. But then, at least in our understanding right now, it's the thief that uh, consecrates. Why would he steal in the first place if he's going to consecrate it? I'm not sure. And then he slaughters this animal. He does have to pay double because he stole the item, and so is stealing, and so he has to pay back. But he doesn't have to pay four and five for the slaughtering because he had already made it hekdesh. And there's a rule, it says, Pasuk says, you have to pay four or five to your friend. Um, and we learn from that that there's no four and five payment to hekdesh. Uh, there's no double payment to Ekdesh either, but the double payment of Ekdesh goes to the original owner, and that he's liable because he it was he, he stole it in the first place, so he was already liable to the double payment. Uh, but as then he made it Ekdesh, and then he slaughtered it, so there's no four or five payment to Ekdesh, and therefore he doesn't have to pay four and five to anyone. Now let's analyze this, but I Tarabiochanan says, if you think this Baraita is talking about before the owner despaired, then is it holy? Can a, can a thief make something holy that's not his? The Pasuk says if a person consecrates um, his house, it is holy. So uh, we the, we learn from that, just like his house is his, so too anything that one consecrates, consecrates has to belong to him. I can't go and look at your car and say, oh, your car is consecrated. I can't do that to something that's your property. And here too, the thief, although he took the item, it doesn't belong to him, and he can say all day, I consecrate this thing, but it won't be consecrated if it doesn't belong to him. So therefore, this hikdish would not make any difference um, if it is before Yeush. Ela peshita lahad Yeush, rather the spraita has to be after the owner had Yeush, and then that means it transfers uh, to the to the new owner. So the the owner has Yeush. The the um, the thief 
makes it hekdesh, and then slaughters it. And so we see the reason why uh, he doesn't have to pay is because he made it hekdesh, and you don't have to pay and a four and five to hekdesh, and then the thief had the right to make it hekdesh because the owner already gave up ownership of it. Right? So when he slaughters, he's slaughtering that uh, a sheep that belongs to heaven. Uh, but we can infer that if he did not make it hekdesh, and this is now just a regular case of a thief who stole it and slaughtered it, um, then he would have to pay four and five even after Yeush. And if you, speaking to Reshakish, think that Yeush does transfer ownership, then why should he have to pay anything? Why should he have to pay four and five? After all, the thief is slaughtering that which is his own, uh, or selling that which is his own. And right, according to Reshakish, according to your own logic, you said that after Yeush, you wouldn't have to pay. So how can you explain this whole Baraita, since this has to be after Yeush, and it only says that he doesn't have to pay four and five because he made it Hekdesh. But that would mean that if he didn't make it Hekdesh, then he would have to pay four and five, even though it's after Yeush. And that goes against your whole theory that after Yeush, Patur. But Eshlakish has a response. Eshlakish can say that this Padaita is actually talking about a case before Yeush. That's why he has to pay four and five. And that which you asked, how could the how could the thief make something hekdesh that doesn't belong to him? And in fact, the the thief is not the one that make, made it hekdesh. And here, in this case, what are we talking about? That the original owner made it hekdesh while it was in the hands of the thief. So the order of operations is the thief goes into the guy's house in the middle of the night when no one is looking and he steals his uh, his sheep and um, goes into his barn and steals his sheep. And then um, after it's out of the house, uh, the owner says, you know what? I'd rather the Beta Mikdash have it than that thief have it. I declare that sheep that was stolen to be Hekdesh. Well, he's still, he's the owner. He didn't he didn't have Yeush. He did not give up ownership, and so he is the rightful owner. He makes it hekdesh. After after that, the thief slaughters it. So the thief in that case does not have to pay four and five because he slaughtered something that belongs to hekdesh, and there's no payment of four or five to hekdesh. Um, but if he had if the owner had not made a hekdesh and the thief slaughtered it, then he would have to pay because it's before Yeush. Good, that's a very nice answer of Resh Lakish. Except one problem. Is it, would it be holy in such a case? Rabbi Yochanan said that if someone steals an animal and the owner, or any item, and the owner did not despair, neither one can consecrate that item. Right? The thief cannot because... It doesn't belong to him. You can't consecrate something that doesn't belong to you, even if you're holding it in your hands. And the uh, rightful owner cannot consecrate it because it's not in his possession, right? It's over there. So the, the thief has it in his house. And so neither can um, can consecrate it, not even the owner. Um, so this is a good challenge, except that it's Rabbi Yochanan's opinion. Reshakish doesn't have to agree with that. Um, Reshakish can say, I follow this other opinion of the pious ones. What 
what do they say? Well, we know about them from a Mishnah in Masesh and Nidisnan. Hasinui manichinatamaot vamrim kol hanilkat mize yehe mechulal al hamaot elu. These very pious people, um, look what they did. If they had a vineyard and it was a pest or la the three years and now it's neta uh, revai, it's in the fourth year. The law is that when during the fourth year, um, uh, the owners, anyone is allowed to eat from that, uh, the, those grapes or that fruit from a tree, or as long as they bring it to Jerusalem, or they can redeem it for money and spend the money in Jerusalem, like Maser Sheni. So obviously they would do that, but they went a step further. They were afraid that people would pass by and pluck a few grapes, which is permitted, right? They're allowed to pluck a few grapes and eat them, and but the the passers-by may not know that this is Neta Revai and that they can't just eat them on the spot. They have to take them to Jerusalem or redeem them. So these pious people, they would take some a few coins and they would say, anything that was picked from this vine, um, uh, we are going to redeem uh, to, for, to this money. And that way they would help out anybody else. And so no one would be in violation of Netarevai on their account. Right? What a beautiful uh, practice to do. What do we see from here? <clears throat> that they think that you can redeem fruit that um, someone else took, even though it's yours, but now it's in their possession, you can still redeem it. And so therefore it makes sense that they would also say that an owner can make hikdish something, just like you can take something holy and make it, uh, re- redeem it and not holy, so too you can say something not holy that is yours, but it's in the hands of someone else, and you can consecrate it and make it holy. And so, although this goes against the Yochanan, but Eshachim says, I follow the Sinuin in this Mishnah, and I think the owner can make it Hikdesh. But now another problem with Reshakish, Vare Hazra Keren La Be'alim. Yeah, but there's another problem that as soon as the owner makes it Hekdesh, the principal returns to the original owner. Um, it's as if the owner went and grabbed it and took it and took this ox back to his home. Although he didn't physically um, get it and bring it back to his home, by making it Hekdesh, he exerts authority over it. Um, he controls it that, at that point, and therefore, it's as if he took it. If he would take it back, then the, um, the thief does not have to pay a, a double payment um, anymore because um, he only, a thief only has to pay a double payment if the stolen item is in his hands at the time of trial. But if it was already returned, and this case is already like it's returned, then the thief should not have to pay a double payment. So why would the thief have to pay um, uh, why would a thief have to pay anything at all? And the answer is Kishamad Bedin. We're talking about a case where the thief already stood uh, stood judgment. Um, so the the order of operations is he, he stole he stole the thief stole uh, an ox in the middle of the night, and then he went to court. And court said, um, you have to, right, you have to pay. And after that, the owner made it hikdesh. And after that, the uh, thief slaughtered it. Um, and so uh, he does not have to pay four and five in this case because he slaughtered it after it was already hikdesh. And you don't pay for hikdesh. And on the other hand, even though the owner made it hikdesh, it doesn't return to the owner um, and therefore not be liable to a double payment because he already stood in judgment and the court already said that you have to pay double um, and so that this way um, everything works. We just one wrinkle here. If the uh, the betin already gave an order 
and tell the thief, go and pay him that this amount. Then it wouldn't matter if the owner made it hikdesh. Even if the owner didn't make it hikdesh, the thief would not have to pay four and five at that point. Why? Rava already explained this. If the court, once they issue a ruling and an order, tells the thief, go and pay, um, and then the thief afterwards slaughtered it or sold it, the thief does not have to pay four and five times. What's the reason? Rava explains it. We have a rule that the four and five payment is only a burglar in the night uh, because he is uh, not afraid of God, but is afraid of people. Well, that's a terrible thing. And so he has to pay this fine of four and five. Whereas a gazlan, someone who's uh, just a robber out in the open, well, at least is an equal opportunity. No, has no, no fear in equal opportunity way he doesn't fear God or people he does not have to pay four and five that's the rule now this guy originally was a robber in the night and that's why he's eligible to have to pay four and five however once the Betin says you have to go pay and this guy he doesn't care he goes against an explicit order of the Betin and he goes and slaughters it anyway or sells it anyway um, then uh, even though the Betin said take the animal and give it back to the owner and he in, in, in blatant defiance open defiance of the court so now he turns from being a Ganav to a gazlan, and now he's gazlan, he doesn't have to pay four and five payment. And so, if he indeed slaughtered it after the court said, Satan law, go give him back the animal, he wouldn't have to pay four and five anyway, even if it was not Ekdesh. So, that can't be the case. But Ava, um, in, in the rest of his statement, introduces a, a good answer that we can apply here also. Chayav atani ten law, if the court didn't say Satan law, but you are liable to give the uh, animal back, right? So they made, they gave an opinion, right, that you should do this and you're liable, but they didn't give an order just yet, not a finalized order that he has to do it. So then it's not as blatant if the uh, thief goes against them and slaughters it. And so he remains a ganav. If after the, the court said that, then he went and slaughtered and sold it, he does have to pay four and five because since there, there was not an official uh, ruling and order of the court, so he still is the status of a ganav, a robber, a, a burglar in the night, and therefore he does have to pay. And so now we can use that. La Sericha, Reshakish could also say that this entire Braita is an assuming a case of that the court said um, you are liable to pay. Um, but did not order an issue, did not issue an order to pay. So to summarize, the Shakish um, can say this whole case is talking about before Yeush. And how does it work? The guy stole it. The thief stole stole the item. And then the um, he comes to court and the court says, Chayav ata the ten law, you have to give him back and you have to give back double um, because you stole it. Um, after that, the original owner makes it hekdesh, which he can do because he's still the original owner. It's before Yeush. Um, now, even though he makes it hekdesh, the the uh, the thief still has to pay double because it was already said that he has to pay double. Um, but now, since it's hekdesh, and okay, after that, the thief slaughters it. The thief does not have to pay four and five. 
only because he was already Hekdesh and you don't have to pay four and five to, for something Hekdesh. Uh, but if it was, if he did not make it Hekdesh, then he would have to pay the four and five. Um, but only because it's before Yehush, this is consistent with Resh Lakish. Um, it's not a challenge because Resh Lakish uh, agreed that before Yehush you have to pay. He just thinks that after, after Yehush, you, you would not have to pay. Baruch Adonai Amen v'Amen.